Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRM. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, so I'm in a great mood today, and I'm going to tell you the reason is, is because I'm back on Fridays at 10 a.m. with my buddy. And, you know, I just have to say that, Ted, I was thinking when I was listening to you do that last commercial before the show started. Yeah. You're a little like James Earl Jones. You've got that melodic voice where I can, I, I want I want to record you going, Mark, it's time to go to sleep now. Mark, you are not my son. <laughs> so anyway, Ted, great to be back with you and um, wishing everybody out there a Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas and a Happy Holidays if you don't. Festivus for the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us. And, uh, you know, what better way to start the show, Ted, with a George Carlin quote? Okay, and, and, and can we agree George Carlin was nothing short of a pioneer in comedy? Well, he was a pioneer of, of many things, but uh, certainly of comedy, stand-up comedy. Yep, so, so today we're doing a show on common sense, and I found this fabulous quote from George Carlin. I, I literally laughed out loud. This was not like an LOL in a text. I literally laughed out loud yeah, when I heard yeah. this quote. He said... Tell people there's an invisible man in the sky who created the universe, and the vast majority will believe you. Tell them the paint is wet, and they have to touch it to be sure. <laughs> there you go. So, Wow, that's a goodie. So, you know, common sense. There is no such thing as common sense, is there? I mean, let's think about it for a second, all right? So I think about... People who interrupt in conversation. I mean, it's common sense. I'm sorry, what did you, what, what do you say? Right, yeah, right, right. It's common sense not to interrupt, course, right? right. What about assuming? Can I say what assuming means over the air, Ted? Oh, Am I not allowed um, to do that? Well, let's just throw a little R in there and say you make an R set of you and me. Beautiful. And what about accusing people without basis? Like, why would you accuse someone of something if you, like, that's common sense. You would not accuse someone if you, unless you had all the facts. Why would you choose to motivate people through criticism? Why would you choose to write long emails that people are never going to read? Right. Like, that's common sense, right? Right. So, you know, what, what caused me to pick this topic for today was something interesting had happened. Because I think we often as parents, before I get into the leadership aspect of this, we often as parents tend to criticize our kids in certain situations because we think kids should know certain things that they don't. And, and there was actually a scenario with Cole this week, my 15-year-old son, Cole. Cole, since the pandemic started, you know, a year and a half, I should go, has become an avid cook. He loves to cook. He loves to bake. And so he's been cooking for a year and a half. So the other day, he was cooking turkey burgers on the stove. Mm. And they were burning. And, like, the, the, the pan was burning. And so I looked at him and I said, how come you have the heat all the way on high? And he said, well, because it cooks faster that way. And I said, no, I get that. I said, but if you want it to cook evenly and cook so it has the best flavor, you don't put it all the way on high. And he looks at me, Ted, without even hesitation. He goes, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm thinking, now, here's a guy that's been cooking for a year and a half. Like, that would be something after a year and a half. I would have thought he just knew. figure it out, yeah. Right? And so that's what made me think about it. And... You know, I gave you a bunch of examples around communication, you know, at the top of the show. But that, but why do we feel things are common sense? It, to, see, to me, 
the phrase common sense is an insult because it, it, it implies that. What's be- wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Because I know it. Right. You should know it, right? Of course. And if things were common sense, people wouldn't buy things they couldn't afford. People wouldn't smoke, smoke cigarettes and eat junk food. They wouldn't gamble. And they wouldn't be politicians wouldn't tweet pictures of their private parts to strangers because well, that's you know, common sense. To change the subject immediately, um, I, I would have to go back to what you said. Okay. And, and that is that um, common sense is uncommon. It's like an oxymoron common sense, like military intelligence or... What's another oxymoron <laughs> like? Um, another, you know, a, another, a, another oxymoron would be um, uh, when when we when we step into the room and presuming that everybody knows who we are. Mm. It's it, you know, it's only because we are who we are that we know who we are. But people step into the room and presume everybody understands their point of view as if they're all mind readers. How about open secret? Is that a good oxymoron? Open, yeah, a- open secret? <laughs> so, Ted, so I want to I follow up on that, though. So, so that's just it. And so who gets to make the rules, right? So because there's a difference to me between societal etiquette, right? And an example of societal etiquette is you open the door for a lady. You know, when someone does something nice for you, you say, thank, thank you. You know, these are societal etiquette. But at the same time, if someone doesn't do something that I've been taught how to do, and I want to tell you, Ted, it comes down to three things, right? Yeah. Here are the three things that get in the way of, quote, unquote, having common sense. Number one, uh. we assume people know something, and frankly, it's not fair because we all come from different upbringings and backgrounds and life experiences. So what may be common to you may not be common to somebody else. The second thing is, I use the example of interrupting. I think if you polled the majority of people, they know it's not good to interrupt. So why do they interrupt? It's not because they're intentionally trying to upset you. It's because they haven't developed the habit yet, or they've been triggered by something that causes them to interrupt. Right. Usually right? the latter, yeah. Right? And then there's the third piece. People who want to have common sense don't want to ramble, want to be succinct, want to write emails that will influence behavior, want to motivate people through um, constructive feedback. But they don't know how to do it yet, right? They want to do it, but they haven't really built the habit and they don't know what to do. And so this is the thing. So I'm thinking to myself, right, why, why, why do people struggle with this? Why do people have to belittle or be condescending or judge other people? Like, does it make you feel better about yourself? And I have to tell you, one of my biggest pet peeves around this and I hear this with kids, occasionally I hear it with adults, is I'll hear my kids hanging out with their friends and I'll hear one of the kids say, you don't know that? You know, or, Ted, this is one of the things when I was growing up, and even today as an adult, it doesn't happen often, but occasionally, when people find out I'm Jewish, they'll go, oh, you're Jewish? Like it's like the plague? Like, like as if it's some like <laughs> yeah, right. disease or something? Right, right, right. sure. And, and, and then we see it 
Now we see it in society very commonly around food choices right. because so many people are vegan and have different f- gluten-free and have different food choices. So they're like, oh, you're going to eat that? Oh, people get righteous about it. Very much. And so I chose to, as we head into the new year, I thought to myself, okay, so I want to do this show today. And originally I was going to do it around goals, right? Because that's the hot topic this time of year. Well, that's common sense. Right, right. Right. There you go. Actually, it's a great point, right? So this is the time of year people start making New Year's resolutions, start setting goals. And one of my favorite favorite quotes also is a goal without a plan is just a wish. Mm-hmm. And which 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 by the way, if you're looking for the reason most New Year's resolutions fail, it's because you either a don't have a smart goal or you don't have an action plan to support it. Right. Hope is not a plan. Yeah, hope is not a plan. And so we're going to take a different angle. We're going to talk about the habit of shifting your mindset, right, as a potential smart goal for next year. And so when you're the kind of person that tends to prejudge situations. And when you when you say to yourself or others, that person should have known that, or that's common sense, that's an example of prejudging. So let's talk about that for a second. What are... Right, but can, can I point something please, out? Please, please. The word you're using, prejudge, I want everybody to listen to the word and examine the word because it's really the root of prejudice. It is. It is. And, and so... So wait, wait, go ahead, Ted. You going to say something? Well, I, I wanted to add that the in this case, the only prejudice is against yourself. Expand pre- on that. Ju- Expand pre- on judging that. yourself and expecting others to read your mind when you walk into the room is prejudice of yourself. You're dis- you're literally uh, disabling your ability to communicate in an open society by closing your mind. Yeah. And that's why this uh this business of the knowledge filter and opening your brain and it's unfortunately not as common as it could be. No, and so so you know, one of the reasons why I said when you think something is common sense and another person doesn't, one of the areas I wanted to go was they may not be motivated to to learn that quote unquote common sense. And here's the thing. There are three high-level factors that go into motivating a human being, okay? One of them is the motivational factors itself. What is going to motivate you to do something that you're not currently doing or that you're doing but you're not doing consistently? The second thing is the benefits or the rewards of those motivating factors. But it's the third one that people forget, and the third one is the consequences of inaction. So if you don't do anything different than you're currently doing. If you are someone who tends to prejudge, make assumptions, be prejudiced over people or situations or knowledge or skills or experience, what are the consequences if you continue to have that mindset? And, you know, when we go into our next segment, when we talk in our next segment, we're going we're gonna to expand and say, you know, what is it that creates this kind of mindset of common sense in its perception, its accumulated knowledge, its experiences, and it's really the way humans develop wisdom. So when we come back from our first break, we're going to talk about what are the consequences of inaction and why you could and should be motivated to shift your mindset around common sense. 
So for I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. If you'd like to call on the show, it's 508-871-7000. And, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in the blind spot business. And, you know, so much of what we do when we help leaders in their teams and salespeople at Mindset Go is we help them with self-awareness. We help them with blind spots. You know, what are they missing? You know, how are they perceived? Um, you know, and, and that's, that's such a critical aspect of emotional intelligence. And, you know, one of the things that I notice is when we criticize people and we make judgments of other people, it's often because we want to prop ourselves up by putting others down. And, you know, when I, when I hear people brag, you know, I think to myself, you know, it's, speaking of societal etiquette, you know, we're always told not to brag and be humble. And I think about people who brag. One of the things I think about when people brag is they may have a low sense of self-esteem and they're choosing to brag because that's, that's how they're coping with their low sense of self-esteem. And, you know, when we use phrases like, how could people be so stupid or how could people be so blind? Like, and we're incredulous about it, Right. And, and this, is, this is one of my funny things. I, I heard a comedian the other day use this line. I can't take credit for it. And I can't, it might have been Brian Regan, but I, I, I can't remember who. He said, he said, Albert Einstein, let's look at Albert Einstein. Here's a guy who we deify as one of the most brilliant people that ever walked the face of the earth. He goes, how come we use his name in vain? Like, how come when people don't have common sense and disappoint us, we say, nice job, Einstein? And I thought, that's brilliant. And so, but, but you know, we, if you listen to what Ted said in our first segment, you know, Einstein has a quote. He says, common sense is nothing more than a deposit of prejudices laid down in the mind before you reach 18. And that, by the way, is such a critical quote because we are creatures of how we were raised. I had a guy that I was working with about a year ago. He was in IT. And a company had called me and said, this guy doesn't have emotional intelligence. We need you to work with him. And I remember the very first conversation I had with him. He said, quote, unquote, Mark, you know what really bugs me about people? They're hired for a job. They read the job description and they don't do what they're asked to do. And even more so, and and these two thoughts had no connection to one another. But here's the crazy thing he said after that. He said, And you know what bugs me even more? I think of 40- and 50-year-old men who don't know how to change a tire, who don't know how to change the oil on a car. He goes, it just blows me away. Like, it's common sense. And I said to the guy, I said, I totally get it. I said, you know, my perspective is that people who aren't self-aware and who don't read language, uh, nonverbal cues, I know, I don't get that. And he, he laughed. He got it. He got the analogy I was making. But see, the point is, I was never taught by my parents how to change a tire or change the oil on a car. And guess what? Once I get out of the house after high school, not everybody goes to college, so I don't want to say out of college. Once you, once you get in your early 20s, if you haven't been taught something as a kid by a teacher, as a mentor, as a parent, how are you going to know it? Well, you're going to know it if you care enough to learn it and you take the initiative and you say, you know what, I want to, I want to learn how to change the tire on a car. I want to learn how to change it. Guess what? I haven't been all that excited to learn it. And so I still don't know how to do it. 
And so at the end of the day, when we judge, we miss opportunities to understand people's culture and experiences and upbringing and background. And so I was reading, Ted, this is, this is hilarious, right? So I decided before the show, I was going to look up this, this piece of information. Now, if you're a parent, and even if you're not a parent, you may be aware of this, but if you're ever trying to assess whether your child is uh, up to speed at their grade level, in other words, if they're going into ninth grade, do they know everything they should know by ninth grade? There's plenty of things you can Google that say your child should know such and such by ninth grade. But what happens when you get in your 30s, 40s, and 50s? Well, there's Ted, I looked it up and I found it. This is unbelievable. This so should be good. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> so there's this website called Ladders, right? So headline says 24 life skills. Every, and I want you to listen to the words I'm reading. You ready for this? Talk about presumptuous. 24 life skills every adult should master before turning 30. Because if you don't master, then what? Like So this is this website. I'm just going to read a couple of them, okay? Adaptability. Right? So the ability to be flexible, agile, and adaptable to change is the most critical career skills. I agree. And guess what? I would say the majority of the workforce at 30, 40, 50, or 60 struggles mightily to adapt to change. Of course. Right? So I'm like, why 30? Like, how did they arbitrarily say by 30 you're supposed to know how to adapt to change? Hmm. They say, here's a couple of other ones. Ready? They say... Um, effective communication. That is enormous, an enormous bucket. Effective communication. There's about 100 yes. things that go yeah. into effective communication. Time management. How many people are actually good at time management? So, the, so, the, so it gets By better. 30? By 30? By 30. Be, yeah. 24 That's things, mind you. Right. By 30. So then I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to research a little further. And then I thought, what about by the time I turn 40? Okay, so then by 40, I should be a better active listener. I should know how to collaborate with people. Uh I should know how to practice mindfulness, Ted, (laughs) by 40, right? And I thought, that's probably all. They probably don't go beyond 40. Oh, they do. By 50, I'm supposed to be an expert at speed reading, networking, playing an instrument, public speaking, and personal finance. And by the way... Personal finance, if you're waiting till 50 to really understand personal finance, you've got bigger problems if it's not happening until 50. And then last but not least, this was the best. There's even 60, Ted. Skills you should know by 60. And I just took two because these stuck out for me. All right, I'm ready. You ready? You ready? Reality skills. Ah. So what they're saying is that by 60 years old, your life is pivoting. You know, maybe you're considering retirement, things are going, and you need to have a sense of reality. Of discernment. Of discernment, right? Which, what a great skill to have by 30, but hell, if you can get it by 60, it's still really good, right? And here's the other one, Ted. By 60, option choosing skills. Option choosing. So recognizing, hey, here are my options, what's realistic, what's unrealistic. So, look, the moral to this story is... And and you know what's crazy about this? What's crazy is that I, even in my research for the show today, I found a common sense test you could take online. Who who created that test? 
whose rules am I being judged on? Oh my gosh. Um, so so let's let's talk about what I promised we get to in this second segment is I promised I get to what are the consequences of inaction or what are your motivators, right, to shift your mindset around prejudging and making assumptions. So one of them is empathy. Now, empathy is the only one I'm going to cover before we get to the next break. Empathy is an absolutely powerful tool of influence. And most people don't know how to effectively use empathy. But see, the fact of the matter is, empathy is the antonym to assumptions and prejudgment. Because when you prejudge and assume, you, you're probably not going to be able to be empathetic because of your prejudgments. So empathy is leading with empathy. And instead of saying, I can't believe they don't know that, why, how could they not realize that? Maybe step, take a step back and reflect and say, geez, maybe they've never been taught. Maybe they've never had the life experience. Maybe they've never needed to learn it or use it. That's what I mean by empathy. And so if, you, if your default reaction, the habit I teach leaders is to have a default reaction to empathy no matter what. Like that's the ultimate habit. If you lead with empathy, default to empathy, you can't go wrong. And what leaders often struggle with is they struggle to buy into that theory because they feel like it's enabling a behavior. I don't want you to enable behaviors. I want you to lead with empathy and hold people accountable. You can do both, but I need you to lead with empathy. So when you talk about what would motivate you to shift your mindset, what buy-in would you get when you lead with empathy as opposed to criticizing, assuming, and prejudging? How would that affect the relationships with your peers, with your boss, with the people that report to you? Is that motivating? So when we come back for our next segment, we're going to continue to talk about the motivating factors for shifting your mindset. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, so before we get into our third segment, Ted, can you guarantee me before the show ends, we're going to hear the Mercury in the Trash or ZD's commercial? Is that on the agenda for the last 30 minutes here? I, you know, I'm really reluctant to telegraph my punches, but we will have a Scanlins Associates Coming up at the next commercial. Okay, break. we look forward. That's if 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 this isn't if this show isn't valuable, that's reason enough to stay tuned. Okay, look, you know we're we're the, the crux of all this. We're talking about common sense and why it's an irrational phrase, right? And why it's really a hurtful, insensitive phrase, really, when it gets right down to it. And you know, I said at the end of the last segment, I was talking about how. You know, self-awareness is the gateway to personal and professional growth. Understanding your blind spots, you know, understanding how you see yourself, how people see you, things like that. There's another gateway, and that's motivation. And, you know, I have to be honest. I got up this morning, and last night when I was going to bed, I'm like, I don't feel like doing a podcast today, a radio show today. I'm just going to tell them to play a repeat today. I wasn't motivated at all. And then I got up this morning and I was all ready to send the email. I'm like, yeah, eh, I don't think so. And then I thought, wait a minute, this is fun. What's the burden here? Like I get to have a radio show. Um, the station's supportive. 
Like, wh- why am I complaining about this? Like, what's the issue? So, but the point I'm bringing that up is I'm here and I had to talk myself through it. And if you're going to shift your mindset, if you're going to have a different thought process than you've had before, it's not going to happen instantaneously. Habits don't change. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's so great. Habits don't change instantaneously. And you have to be motivated. You have to know what your factors are to motivate you, the rewards and benefits, the consequences of inaction. But that's where it all starts because you can want to do something. You can want to, but how will you do it? I say this when I coach and train people all the time. I'll be in the middle of an executive coaching session and someone will say, yeah, I like that idea a lot. I said, well, I'm glad you like it. What's your plan to implement it? The, the, the step I always took that to with my kids was wanting something isn't enough. You have to convince yourself you need it because if you don't need it, you really don't want it. Well, Ted, you said something in that, in that comment that I, I don't know if everybody may have picked up on. Convince yourself. And why that is profound to me is because when we try to motivate people, when we tell a person why they should be motivated to do something, it actually rarely works. I'm sorry. It never works. You know, Unless they want the change, if it's change. If they want the repair, if it's repair, if they want to be enlightened, they have to want it. It's, it, it otherwise, it's not going to work. It can't be my will against theirs. That's right. And, and so, so building on that, so what it comes down to, to me, is an intrinsic motivator. What Ted's talking about is intrinsic motivation. So let's say I'm saying to my son Cole and I said hey you know you need you to do your you need to do your homework you need to get good grades in school how many kids are going to be like oh geez I never realized that thanks for telling me so if I do my homework I'll get good grades and by the way why do I need good grades and fill in the blank parent we know what the next line is because if you want to get into a good college and you want to get a good job you're going to get good grades that that's not motivating you're not, you're not imparting wisdom in that conversation. Can I give you one? Please. Eight-year-old comes home from school the other day, my grandson. And I find out through uh, my daughter first and then from the father and then from the mother and then from my wife that he had not completed assignments. And, he, and you know, he was coming in the door and they were handing him an iPad and he was immediately going to YouTube rather than immediately going to do the work. So I sat him down, made him get nose to nose with me, and I said, look, you like to party, right? You like to play on YouTube? Well, we have a rule here, and it's work first, party later. Get the work done so you can party. Okay, Grandpa, I get that. Yeah, I've heard you say that, Grandpa we got to stack the wood before we're going to make the fire. Well, and Ted, you know what I love about that, what you said, is it's something an eight-year-old can wrap their head around. Like, it's just so easy. Like, work first, party later. Okay, I get that. I know what that means. And that's, 
that's a that's a tool. That's a that's a strategy. That's a recommendation and as you opposed can to take it to the next level when they say, "But I'm bored." Okay, you want to get to the interesting stuff? Do this work first, and then we'll get to something more interesting. But you can't expect to excel to the next level unless you can show them you did the work. Yeah, there's no question. And and, and here's the thing about motivation. So many people in authority, I, I find myself working with people on a daily basis that they think the way to motivate people is to talk and to provide answers. And the way to motivate people is the opposite. It's to ask questions and listen because you're going to hear something where they may say something that gives you some kind of pathway entree, yes. entree into what would motivate them. It's such a critical concept because when Ted says convince yourself, talk about it all the time. You have to manipulate your mind at times. It's it's such a big part of being successful. And by the way, Ted, I am finding more and more that a lot of the training we do is around the concept of managing yourself. And when I talk about communication, a big part of how I teach communication now is how you communicate with yourself, that inner voice. And what messages you're giving yourself? What's your narrative? What do you tell yourself? And I got news for you. If you're telling yourself, I should have known that, that was common sense, I can't believe I didn't know that, you're not doing yourself any favors. No, no, not at all. And I want to share share an anecdote that just happened this week. I was working with a woman who is filling in uh, what's the expression? Uh, um, filling the footsteps, or what, what's the what's the expression I'm looking for? Uh, walking, following, in the, following, following in the, okay, following in the, the footsteps. footsteps, following the footsteps of her predecessor. However, when her predecessor left, she didn't have the skills and experience to do a lot of the things her predecessor did. So now she's feeling um, she's got some imposter syndrome going on. She's got some inferiority complex going on, and this woman happens to be very talented. And so she tells herself when she's not able to do something, she says, I can't believe I don't know this. I can't believe I have to ask for help as opposed to, wait, I'm not supposed to know this. No one ever taught me. My predecessor never invested the time in me to show me how to do these things. And so when you give yourself latitude and bandwidth to be human, to to not know everything, leaders are not supposed to have all the answers. Ted, I was doing a training before a couple of weeks ago where a woman looked me right in the face and she says, Mark, I don't feel comfortable saying I don't know to my team because I believe my team expects me to have all the answers. Right. To which I replied, based on what? Has your team actually voiced to you? They expect you to know all the answers? Is that in the rule book? Is that in the rule book or is that yourself saying that, that the team expects it, but if you say the team expects it, that's not necessarily true unless you ask to clarify. Somebody asked me one time on a similar line, well, if I tell them I don't know, doesn't that imply that I'm not able to maintain the circle of excellence mm. that I demand from mm. them? <laughs> and I said to him, well, maybe you're demonstrating that you are opening your circle because you need new knowledge, and you're setting an example of how the circle must open to let in new knowledge. 
don't you know don't don't poo poo yourself because you're afraid of what people will think of you. Just forge ahead, do the job, work now, and we can party later. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so so when you think about it, right? So building on the story I just shared. So here's we're talking about motivating factors. So now here's something. Here's a motivating factor for you. If you're in an authority position, if you're a parent, a leader, or coach, do you want to create a culture for your family, for your team, where people feel comfortable admitting shortcomings, flaws, weaknesses, areas of development? Because if you're looking to motivate, guess what happens? If the culture of your team is people are afraid or feel like they're going to be judged or criticized if they admit areas of development or weakness, then what do you think they're going to do instead? They're going to try to tunnel through it. It's going to waste company time. It's going to interfere with productivity. It's going to affect their overall confidence level because they're going to push through something they really don't know how to do. So you want to be motivated. The, The simple factor of creating an open line of communication where someone can speak their truth to you. It's, it's called, at a higher level, it's called psychological safety. But don't, don't you want to be someone in authority who creates a culture and environment where people can feel comfortable speaking their truth? And by the way, you may be, and I, this is a critical point I'm about to make, you may be the kind of leader who's listening to the show and going, well, I do that. And, and you may do that. But do you ever notice that even if you create that confidence or comfort level for people, they still don't feel comfortable? Because it could be their past leaders didn't create that culture and they're carrying through that baggage. So look, when we come back for our final segment, we're going to continue to talk about motivation and habit change around shifting your mindset. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, you know, I was thinking during the break, uh, wouldn't it be great if life came with a playbook? I mean, you think about parenting, right? That is, when you become a first-time parent, that's probably one of the few times in life you get cut slack. Because there's an assumption of, well, you're just learning on the fly. You know, you're not supposed to know everything. It's weird, Ted. It feels like as I'm saying this, it's coming to my mind right now. There's a couple of points in life where people do have empathy. First-time parents typically get empathy. Which, by the way, if I was going to be a jerk, I would argue that, well, you had your own parents. I mean, you learned how to parent from your own parents. Didn't you? Didn't you? Right? And you have people around you who are parents. Like, couldn't you have picked up from them? I'm being facetious, but it makes the point, right? So we we get empathy when we're first-time parents. We get empathy, Ted, when we're interns. Like, right, when we intern at a company, it's uh, – well, you would hope, right? Because it's like, well, you, you're, it's, this is your first job. You're not supposed to know everything. You're learning on the fly. So it feels like the times when we're doing something for the first time – we get that empathy. What What's interesting and why I'm bringing it up is we don't know when people are doing things for the first time a lot. So if I was to go change your tire right now and I fumbled my way through it, it may not occur to you that it's my first time doing it unless I said something. So if it's an implied first time, we have empathy. Go ahead. 
I, I've got to tell you a story about an old-timer who had been selling life insurance, just plain old, you know, old life insurance, for 40 years when I met him. And he said, Ted, why don't you come out on a call with me and you can see how I do it. Okay. He started the conversation with these words. I hope you people can help me. This is my first day. Mm. And I sat back in the chair thinking, how disingenuous. This guy is a marvel in his business. And we left, you know, and he got the uh, the business. And we're, you know, we're on the ride with. And he said, so, you have any questions for me? And I said, well, yeah, don't you think it was kind of disingenuous to say this was your first time? And he said, Ted, I never, really? I never lie, Ted. I'm telling you, that was the first time I had ever met these people. It was the first time I ever met their requirements. I never lie, Ted, but I do get empathy when I tell them it's my first time. Well, I, that story re- resonates with me so much because I remember when I was a server in college and I became a server for the first time, I would always go to the table and I would say to the, the, the patrons, I would say, hey, please, please be patient with me. I'm new. I'm learning how to do this. And not only did I find I would get bigger tips when I said that, but I would find that if I asked for it, if I asked for patience because of my inexperience, people would give it to me nine times out of ten. So, so this is this is the key here, right? So, communication. How, yeah. How do you know when it's someone's first time? Do people advocate for themselves and say it? Maybe not. Probably in many cases, no. However. When I talked in the last segment about creating that sense of comfort and confidence for your team, part of being a leader, when you're going to delegate a task, when you're going to ask someone to take on a project, don't you want to make it as a staple to that conversation? Hey, before I give you this task or project, could you share your experience, your knowledge, your skills in doing something like this? Have you ever done something like this before? And what if the person said no? Wouldn't that totally alter how you assign and delegate that project or task if they didn't have the requisite experience, knowledge, or skills? So this is the thing, right? When you're talking about shifting your mindset and leading with empathy and being open-minded, it also talks about the two-word phrase that Ted and I absolutely adore, and that's be curious. Because if you're curious, instead of assuming and prejudging, and you say, geez, I wonder if they do have this experience. Oh, well, they must because it's common sense. If you're in a situation with someone, whether you're the server or you're working in an office and you submit something or you say something and the person looks up and says, is this the first time you've done this? Most people are going to be insulted immediately and think, oh, he doesn't like my work. When in fact, he may be offering empathy. People have a funny way of communicating. And unless your ears are open and your mouth is closed, you're not really going to be able to interpret what's coming at you. Like an interesting way to deal with somebody that you think is being sarcastic is to answer a question with a question. That's interesting. Why do you say that? And then you get a better understanding of what they're trying to approach you. Uh, with. That's great. It's great. And, 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 you know, if you listen to what Ted said, 
a minute ago, is this the first time you've done this? What immediately popped to my mind is the tone of the question. Because if you say, is this the first time you've done this? Well, that's condescending and judgmental. So it doesn't work. But if Ted's intention was, hey, is this the first time you've done this? I'm just curious. Well, that's more of a curious, inquisitive tone. And if the tone is to wonder versus be judgmental and condescending, it, it's, it's powerful. And by the way, it's, it's really important because part of the way you can create that psychological safety is in, when you're delegating that task or project, when you're asking if they said, yeah, no, I, I don't have that experience or skills to know how to do it and say, all right, well, that's good for me to know because if it is the first time you've done this, I'd like to spend more time and support you and showing you how to do it and model it for you. So, look, this shifting of mindsets, when you talk about heading into the new year, okay, and I didn't even have time to get into on the show today that how problem-solving and innovation is halted when you prejudge and make things seem like common sense. I mean, we could do a whole show on that. This is what I want to wrap the show up with today. This is what I want you to think about heading into the new year. When you're thinking about your habits and your goals, and I need to lose weight, and I need to eat healthier, and I need to get more sleep, and I need to have more work-life balance, I'm not poo-pooing those things. Fantastic. Create some smart goals and action plans around those things. I support it 1,000%, even though you can't go over 100 The thing is, I want you to think about habits you can change around your thought processes, around your mindset. Think about how you speak to yourself. Think about, is that productive? Does that build your confidence? Does that motivate you when you use that negative self-talk? How do you communicate with others when you assume things, when you feel like it should be common sense or it is common sense? You are doing a disservice to the both of you or anybody else in that room. Shift your mindset to being curious, asking questions, listening to understand, and gaining knowledge to set yourself up for success and set other people in your life personally and professionally up for success. You want more information heading into the new year on how to use Mindset Go as speaking Coaching, training, consulting, 978-793-1159, 978-793-1159. The email address is info at mindsetgo.com, and we look forward to supporting you in any way you need. Thank you, Ted, for your awesome contributions and your production of the Thank show. Thank you, Mark. Great show. Great to be back with you, and happy holidays, happy new year, everybody, and we'll see you next time on iCommunicate.